In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So the gospel lesson we just heard is pretty rich, has a lot of meat to it. And so I want to make sure we put it into context. This is the gospel of John, and this is pretty early on in the gospel of John, only the third chapter. And before this moment, not a lot has happened, but a few things have given Jesus a little bit of attention. First off, Jesus has already attended the wedding in Cana, right? That great scene where they run out of wine and the steward comes over and Mary says, Jesus, you should do something. And Jesus says, I don't really want to. And she said, Jesus, do it. And so Jesus changes all the water into wine and it's this wonderful miracle. And that begins to get a little buzz. In addition, if that was not enough to bring attention to Jesus, just before this passage in chapter 2, Jesus goes up and cleanses the temple. Remember this moment where he overturns the tables and he sends the money changers out and he makes a whip of cords? And someone doing that in the temple is going to get a lot of attention, but not the right kind of attention. The people who run the temple are not going to be happy with Jesus. And so the Jewish leaders, someone like Nicodemus, who might be a little interested in what's going on with Jesus and wondering about who he really is, has to find out in roundabout ways. And so we come to chapter 3, and Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night over the cover of darkness to really say to Jesus, hey, what are you really all about And Jesus begins to explain why he is here, that purpose for which he was brought to earth. And although there's some interesting points to it, Nicodemus is confused. Nicodemus says, I don't understand what's going on. And so Jesus tells him a little bit and he says, I still don't understand. And so Jesus tells him a little bit more. And there's a sticking point for Nicodemus here. When Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus is completely lost. He really responds to Jesus, as I would assume most of us would in that moment, and saying, how can you be born again if you've already been born? That just doesn't make sense. And so Jesus unpacks this with some language that means a lot to a lot of Christians all over the world. In fact, what is the one line that you see Christians post anywhere? John 3.16 right? You go to a football game, you go to a concert. What do you see on big posters and banners? John 3.16. That's what we heard today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. John 3.16 is so important to our kind of shared Christian identity, but that kind of importance can become a bit confusing. For many, many Christians, that has become the root upon which they base everything about their faith. This idea, this near executive summary of what Jesus came to do points to a very interesting idea about being born again. Born again. That kind of salvation, that saving has become so interesting to people outside the church that people within the church say it all the time. How many of you know people who talk about when they were saved, when they were born again? Ask you if you have been saved or if you have been born again. This is a very important idea to a lot of our Christian brothers and sisters. That's the idea that when you get in touch with your sinfulness, 
when you know that you are broken, when you are heartbroken, when you know that Jesus has come for you, when you feel the Spirit move you, and then you are whipped up into a fury, and then you are called down to the altar where you can give yourself over to Christ. Anyone want to come down today and give themselves to Christ here? No, because that's not really Episcopalian, is it? <clears throat> we don't really kind of do that stuff because we like to fancy ourselves a little more thoughtful, a little more calm, and we tend to not get into this idea of being saved quite so much as some of our other Christian brothers and sisters. But being saved, being born again, is this critical idea in John's gospel. And so it's worthwhile for us to unpack it a bit. So let's talk about what even just being born is all about. Think about a recent birth in your life. Or maybe think back to when you experienced birth in your life. I can say for sure, for me, for Nicole and me, preparing for a birth meant a lot of work, right? If you have prepared for the birth of a child or you've watched someone prepare for the birth of a child, especially today, it's a lot of stuff, right? You have stuff for every moment of that child's life in every single space possible, right? You get all this stuff and your whole life is filled. Your car and your house and your office and everywhere has stuff for this baby. By the time you, know, you get to child number three, you just have diapers. But for birth number one, it's huge. And we prepare a lot. And it is not something, if we can choose, that we do so in an instant. What about today for us? To receive John's gospel message here about being born again as something equally needing preparation, rather than an ecstatic experience where we just seem to trip into it, many of us like to feel like we think through it, that we till the soil, so to speak, and get ourselves ready for that moment when we actually do come to a decision point. That moment when new life becomes a choice. We choose to be one person over another. We choose to move toward God or not. This kind of idea of a fork in the road of our journey is important because decision points about being Christian, about who we want to be, are very radically important to our discipleship. See, this idea of salvation is critical. But I think it would be, make sense for us to ask, what are we being saved from? See, for those of us who are kind of comfortable, for those of us who feel like life is good most of the time, that life is actually kind of pretty good, all things considered, it doesn't quite make sense that Jesus would offer us salvation from, from what? And so maybe today we can consider that the salvation Jesus offers is not the kind of tangible salvation that we might consider. Instead, it's really being saved from ourselves, being saved from our fears, being saved from our ego, being saved from our heartbreaks, really being saved from the way that the world pushes us away from God. This salvation that Jesus offers is a cultural moment for all Christians but it calls us into regular, important choices, choices that ripple over time, little mini forks along the path. Yes, there may be a first fork 
where you actually choose Jesus and not. But then every day, multiple times a day, we choose these forks again. We constantly have opportunities to choose God or not God. And perhaps today Jesus is reminding us that if our choice for God has been a while, maybe it's time to choose God again. I'm reminded of a colleague of mine, also an Episcopal priest, who years ago picked up his 14-year-old daughter from Christian summer camp. And, you know, as many of you may do, you go to camp, you pick up a kid, and then you've got a decent ride back. And so the questions begin. And if you've got a son, you know that questions are answered this way. Hey, how was summer camp? Good. What'd you do? Stuff. Right? But if you've got a daughter, you know that you can just get the ball rolling once, and then at least for my daughters, you've got hours of stories that they will tell you. And this is the case for him. His daughter began to tell story after story after story. And at one point she said, we had gone out in the woods, dad, and there was a fire and there was music and we were all sitting around. And one of the pastors got up and began to talk about Jesus and talk about the way that Jesus loves us and the way that Jesus will save our souls so that we can get into heaven. And I was, it was so beautiful and the sky smelled good and the fire. And so I went down to the fire and we knelt down and I gave my life over to Jesus and it was amazing. And this Episcopal priest is, you know, he's driving in the car and he's thinking, oh my goodness. And so she finally gets to a stopping point and there's quiet and he's not entirely sure what to ask because he kind of wants to ask about that moment, but he's not sure what to say. And so he says, so, so what did you do at the fire? And she said, oh, daddy, I give my life over to Jesus like every few months. And I thought, isn't that perhaps the way that we should all be? Here, this child understands, you know, there are moments in time when we feel so loved, so profoundly moved by this gift that God gives us, that we choose again, and then choose again and again to move toward God. See, salvation is not just some simple get-out-of-hell-free card. It's not a single moment. It's not just one instant that changes us for good forever. But instead, we strive to find God in every choice we make. And as I noted before, sometimes those choices take some preparation. We are in the season of Lent. This is only the second Sunday. And we want you to join us in tilling the soil of our hearts and our minds, of perhaps preparing to make good, lasting choices moving forward. I hope some of you have been listening to our weekday podcasts. I know some of you have, because we've gotten thousands and thousands of listens so far. If you've not checked them out, I will be honest, it was, you know, it was my idea, but I, I like it, and I really like them. I look forward to them every morning, it's great. So if you've not listened, you should. We've got meditation books that you can grab on your way out. And what I want you to consider is that we have this Lenten season where we can actually take a few days, a few weeks, a couple of months, to just imagine what God is calling us into, to almost prepare ourselves to make a solid, real choice when we reach that fork that we will choose God. And these choices are not shallow and they are not cheap. We know our world is scary. 
Almost all of us in here are waiting to hear some word about whatever the church is doing around COVID-19. I'm not going to talk about it right now. I'll talk about it in a minute. But that is the kind of stuff that can gin up so much anxiety and concern and worry. And moments like this do not think that this gospel is perhaps an accident today. God is with us. God never leaves us. And we come together in places like this to be faithful people, to know that with God, our lives are not all we see, that this life is not all there is, that all of us at some point will die and life will not end. Life will only be changed. When we allow Christ in, when we allow God to be weighty and matter in everything that we do, all of a sudden, that kind of fear and anxiety begins to slip away because we see that what the world wants of us, which is our huge fear to be guiding us in every decision we make, will no longer be our northern star. God becomes our leader. Christ becomes our guide. And our path, our literal discipleship, will move us closer and closer toward what is sacred and holy. And we will find ourselves working for God's kingdom now and being in God's kingdom for good. Amen.